When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast on the Her Who Stats Podcast Network. I'm Karina Mustafa alongside Calvin Wetzel. I am so, so excited for today's episode. We have our first guest of 2024, and that is none other than, I like to call her the ambassador of women's sports, Ari <laughs> Chambers. Uh, Ari, I'll welcome to the show. I will take that, ambassador of women's sports. I love that. <laughs> honestly like ever since i've ever known you that's all i can think as like your title for what you represent so definitely yeah. my blood sis definitely my blood <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna go through a lot today we're gonna go through some w free agency since the negotiation period has started we're gonna talk some college basketball some nc state and then lastly and not least we're gonna get to know ari a little bit you guys all ready to hop in let's get it good let's go i'm like calvin when are you gonna say a word i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, he's slotted I'm ready. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's like always, my that's always my cue. Hilarious. <laughs> All right. So, the first bit of W free agency news that came out over the weekend was that the Sparks designated Jordan Canada as a core player. But then Drea came out and reported that they would be working to find her next team. First and foremost, Ari, right, how cool was it to see Jordan go from like that training camp contract last season to being designated as a core player this season? When you see a player get cored, especially when it's intention of like sign and trade, uh, that indicates the value that they have. You can't let a player like Jordan Canada walk with, for nothing. And so what the Sparks did was really smart, whether they keep her or whether she goes somewhere else, it's it's most likely she's going somewhere else, like Andrea reported. But just knowing that she holds value and that's something that they wanted to maintain when they to get the return on that value was just showing how much she's contributed to the league, especially in this past season. Anybody that can go, like she she was my most improved, just very candidly, she was my most improved last season. And just seeing somebody go from a training camp contract to just be such a contributor, especially in a hometown, how poetic is that, right? Like she's from LA, a UCLA kid, then went to the Sparks and really was able to make a splash. She'd learn under Sue Bird in Seattle and just really 
has been able to hone in on those skills and cultivate it. And now it's her chance to shine. And she was able to shine last season. So I can't wait to see wherever she ends up going. I think that uh, she'll, she'll find a fit. Especially like the PG market too. Like I feel like that just splices things up so much more. And I think that that's what this free free agency is about. It's the battle of the point guards. Where are the point guards going? We see a lot of, um, we historically, obviously the WNBA is a league of bigs, right? But this season, all eyes are going to be on where the guards are going. Where is the point guard going? Where is Jordan Kennedy going? Where is Natasha Cloud going? Where is Scully Diggins-Smith going? Like we're all focused on where the PGs are going. And you've been covering the league a while, obviously. I feel like free agency didn't used to be this huge spectacle that it is now, uh, which is so cool. Obviously, like last year was complete chaos. But how how have you seen free agency kind of like change and evolve in your time covering the league? It's evolved into chaos, just like you said, right? So back, 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 you have to realize that like with the drafts and things in the in the past, especially the inaugural draft, it was based on like, the location the player wanted to go, right? So, like, you had the Lisa Leslie at the Sparks because she, you know, she's a California kid, USC, and and it, it was it was similar with Rebecca in Connecticut in New York. So, like, the players were used to having their hometowns and staying there the entirety of their careers, and then it became just a big shift around for players. But now players are regaining the agency over their livelihoods and figuring out like, Hey, I don't have to stay in this situation. I know my value. I know what I bring to a team. I'm going to go. And in the past you could core, I think four times in the, so the CBA this time um, made sure that you can only core twice. And now that you can only core, core twice, players have more freedom to have movement the way they want to move instead of it being like a jailed to a team. And outside of what Diana Taurasi and BG and Phoenix and there are several others, but not many that have stayed the entirety of their career. I think that what really shook things up was Candace leaving LA and going to Chicago and leaving Chicago, going to Vegas. That was like a big whoo sent us all in a spiral. And then Chelsea Gray going to Vegas. And so just knowing that these players who have been such staples in their programs for so long, up and leave taking agency over themselves and saying, no, I want this future for me in this way. It, it, it started a trajectory of like, let's get it popping. Let's see what we can do. Let's see the movement that can happen. Yeah. And like, speaking of player agency, like it felt like last season, more players were announcing their news, just like whether that was like Stewie doing her like Jersey change, Courtney Vandersloot announcing as well with New York. What do you think about that? And does that make free agency even more exciting now? In a generation that's coming up, that's utilizing social media so much, I think they're empowering and bolding older players to utilize their voices and be louder. Like we wouldn't have ever jumped. Like when I started, I started in 2014. I couldn't imagine them going around and announcing on their own instead of going through a mainstream media outlet. And that's a beautiful thing. I mean, kind of scary for us journalists, but, you know, we'll figure that out in our own personal thing. We'll unpack that later. But just knowing that the players are very confident in their voice and saying, like, hey, I can break my own news. Hey, I know I'm a brand that is strong enough that can um, generate enough traffic to make it news is really promising because that is a direct juxtaposition to the marketability of the player in itself. So or in themselves. But it I think it's really cool. I think that it's spicy. Stewie with her emojis last year, very confusing, but 
very funny. Like it kept us engaged. Um, you never know when a player is going to speak out on behalf of themselves. And so that makes it even extra spicy. And as journalists, I think we should take it upon ourselves to storytell around it. If they choose to break it, just like be more intentional about how we talk about their movement and what that means to the game. So we as journalists need to reshift our thinking on how we cover free agency and how we cover player movement and players. I love that they're empowered to take it upon themselves to share their story the way they want to share it. Yeah, I think we're coming up on like the one year anniversary of Candace announcing that she signed with Vegas. I was just- in a car and I was like, Candace, really? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why now on a Saturday? What, like, <laughs> I, was I was like, what? <laughs> oh my god that's uh, incredible it's amazing i i love what you said though that it keeps us engaged because i feel like the w <laughs> has this long off season and it's so important like you always say like to keep it at the forefront and now we have all this chaos and like players can at any point just drop a tweet with a bunch of emojis and all of a sudden in january or february the WNBA is like at the forefront of the news cycle in in sports and it, it's so cool isn't it cool? And then it's it's funny because the general public cares about them. And it shows because of the shock value and the reaction when these players do announce their moves, when these journalists do break the news of their moves, when when we're like, where is she going? Where is she going? Just the discussion around Skylar and like the public tweeting her, the journalists tweeting her like, like that wouldn't have happened 10 years ago. That investment into the lives of players and the future of where they're going to play is so refreshing because that means that the fandom is there. That means that they care, like the public cares and that's cool. Yeah. Um, I really like to see like even Skylar just like tweeting out being like where do you guys want me to go and then just like having people like pretty much like kind of pitch it to her um and i know (laughs) b terrell keeps saying like oh i'm gonna show her around atlanta and all that with i'm making some ways have you ever okay b terrell really be cooking for these players and i love that for him and it's honestly a great free agency selling point but (laughs) (laughs) but it's true like the way that skylar is engaging her fans not only shows how much in demand she is so it can really increase her value to a team even though they should they know her value but like it can increase the value of marketability for her for a team and she can show it as proof good negotiation yeah you know and so Ari so we talked about Skylar a little bit Jordan Canada but just in general do you have any bold predictions for this year's free agency or you know I don't want to put you on the spot too much so if not you just have anything looking out for be looking out right, for right. teams rebuilding, blowing like the teams that have been right there on the midst of a championship, blowing the team up so that they can get past that point. Um, but in general, it's going to be where are the point guards going. That's that's what it's going to be. Uh, but yeah, just look for fresh starts with teams, really a lot of reconfigurations. There are going to be some surprise moves and I know that's very vague, but again, I don't break news, but I just want people to know that these GMs are GMing and I love that now their teams are hiring separate coaches and GMs. And so we don't have that, the confusion and people can think clearly on how to recruit for their team's needs for that year. Um, but some major staples that we've seen 
in teams aren't going to be on the same team anymore. And it's going to be interesting for the general scope of fandom because now it's like, do you follow your favorite player or do you follow your favorite team? And is your favorite team still your favorite team without your favorite player? So I'm interested to see uh, what the fandom does with this free agency. It's a really important one. I feel like, yeah, this is going to be a really huge year, especially with 2025 and what that's going to bring um, with expansion and just CBA negotiations and all that. Another thing that I'm like interested in is this has nothing to do with free agency, more so to do with the next generation coming in when players are going to choose to retire, when players are okay with relinquishing being the rocks and the stars of the team um, versus the newer players. So I'm really I'm really looking forward to the passing of the torch or the resistance to the passing of the torch and how, what that looks like. Yeah, we've already had a couple of retirement announcements just mm-hmm. in this offseason. So I'm hoping some players get like a goodbye season too because it, it is a little bit sad when a player just announces their retirement without going through that like goodbye in their final season. Right, bring back the retirement like cycle. I remember when I was still a cheerleader for the Liberty, Swin Cash retired. And she had a whole... When when they when New York played Seattle, there was a whole ceremony after people spoke. It was like a Sue Bird situation when she retired. And I love the retirement parade. A lot of players don't like that attention, but I love the fact that they can get celebrated for their tenure in the league and their contribution to the game. Absolutely. All right, let's pivot to some college basketball and talk about your team, NC State. I know okay. you've been. Exactly. I know you've been riding with them all season. They've been one of the most exciting teams to watch, honestly. What has excited you about this team so far? Let it be known, I've been riding with them my whole life. I'm from Raleigh. I'm a product of NC State. I graduated from there. So I'm going to be riding for them forever. Um, What's most exciting is they went into the season unranked. And within the first few weeks, before November was over, found themselves in the top 10. Because when the talent is undeniable in the way it is, in, in Reynolds Coliseum, under the direction of Coach Wes Moore, you're going to find yourself in the top 10, especially when healthy. You see the only drop-off they had is when River Baldwin was injured. And so when they have a complete team, they are super strong. And I can't wait to see what March looks like for them. We know historically NC State – hasn't been able to get over that elite eight hump, but I just, I really have faith in this team finding their way because what's unique about NC state is that everybody knows their role and they play it very well. They're like a collection of puzzle pieces that fit. And that, that is just players buying into what coach Westmore is trying to do and knowing their strengths. And I love that. And when you look at this, like you, you mentioned, you know, the injury, obviously, like they started out 14-0, dropped a couple games, uh, re- righted the ship yesterday against Duke. But you, this ACC is loaded. You look at up and down like Notre Dame, Louisville, Florida State, so many ranked teams. I think they have like seven ranked teams right now. We're about to get yeah, the next rankings the best out conference today. in women's basketball. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, so, so where do you see the top of this league shaking out? You know, I think we don't favorite? talk. I, I hear you, and I'm going to get back to your question, but I don't think we talk about Syracuse enough. Syracuse is, what, 16-2. and two. And so just knowing that they have 
they have the talent to let me let me pause real quick. The talent, I would say one through eight teams in the ACC. There are 12 teams in the ACC. One through eight is just any given day. Any given day. And even the, the the bottom four teams, they can compete. And so when you have a conference that has such strong talent top to bottom and can be so competitive top to bottom, it you can't ever get comfortable. And that's the excellence of the ACC. That's why the ACC is so amazing because on any given night, you can lose. And so you have to show up. Like every game is a championship game. And, well, for the most part. And seeing players and teams step up, you just never know. If you're not an ACC, like if you didn't go to an ACC school, uh, you don't know who to root for. Because any given night, you can be at NC State, you can be at Virginia Tech, you can be at Notre Dame, you can be at Syracuse. You can be at Florida State, you can be in Miami, you can be at UNC. And so all these teams are, are competing and they have the bigger picture in mind for a championship, but you got to get through the ACC first, baby. You still have to make the 500 record. You know what I mean? Like you still have to be competitive within your conference. And it's one of the hardest conferences. It's funny when you said that the ACC is the best conference, I was going to say, uh, let's not bring law on the show then. Cause I know you do have your the S- rivalry. No, so the SEC, their top teams <laughs> are so top. Do you know what I mean? Like that's how I, that's what the difference, like ACC is like any, it's a toss up. Right. So like nobody is, so exponentially better than everybody else. South Carolina is like they're they they can't be touched. So the SEC has elite greatness, and there's a there's a drop off. Yes, they do mix it up sometimes with with you know wins and losses. But like South Carolina, LSU, Ole Miss, the, yes, and even you've seen Coach Yobi challenge, and and I love that she's so candid about. Um, staying strong in, in, in coaching that team, because I love coach Yo and I love her program. Um, but after that, it's, it's just, it's not as top to bottom to me as the ACC is. And I know the SEC girlies are going to come for me with that, but I would argue that the ACC is the most balanced conference. And that's what makes it to me the most competitive conference. Now elite, I think SEC has elite teams very, very dominant elite teams. But as far as making it through a conference, the ACC is the most competitive to me. I think that's that's very fair. Um, and even just like with your college coverage this season so far, I know you've done a lot of interviews with athletes, including Juju Watkins, who is somebody that we've talked a lot about on this podcast, just like her having her star season so far as a freshman. Who has been your favorite interview that you've done this season or maybe like a favorite moment that you've had? Um, so being within the USC program, I've been really close to them this year. I love how each of them has a story. I love how Coach Gottlieb initially came to me when I was talking to Juju saying that she's better than advertised. And it didn't take long to prove that. I love how the Ivy League transfers that she, that Coach Gottlieb, like all of them, there's like five, um, that she's decided to piece together are, are perfect pieces to her team. I love that Mackenzie Forbes has been able to really show up for her team. Um, I love the Pac-12 matchups. But as far as interviews, hmm, that's really good. 
Florida has a really fun team. And knowing that they're coached under ride with the, their personalities is it tickles me because <laughs> knowing their personalities mixed with Rye's personalities, it's gonna be it's interesting to see them integrate. So um I liked the the interview with Aaliyah and Rashea. Uh those were fun. And if y'all want to check those out, it's goat talk on um highlighters page. But um who else? Sahara from Oklahoma was probably my my most fun interview. She's a joy. And um, if you pay attention to Oklahoma basketball, just watch her develop. She's just a freshman, so just watch her develop. So I think those are my favorite ones this season. But I can't wait to do more. And I think that telling the untold stories is the best part of my job. And I want to be more dedicated to that because I do cover all sports. And so it's kind of difficult for me to navigate in um, the untold stories like I used to be able to. And so that's a challenge for me this college season. I hope that I can get back to that because these players are so fun. They never aren't fun. Um, and I want to continue to do that. So I would say Sahara was my favorite interview, but Florida, their whole team is super fun. Well, two things before Cal asks his question. First thing is, you are doing absolutely amazing. Just want you to know that. Um, and two, we love exactly what I was about to say. (laughs) Yeah, we love freshman stories too. We've we've dubbed them this year freshman fire for like how exciting all the freshmen have been. So we we absolutely love that over here. That's dope. I love that. No, I was going to say the same thing. Like Ari does a fantastic job. We'll, we'll make sure I'm just going to unabashedly add to Karina's plate here. Make sure to get the link to all that stuff in the YouTube bio. <laughs> That's my job. But, but, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so everyone go check that out. Ari, when you look across like the landscape of college basketball this year, like what what is something that's maybe kind of stood out to you that has been like a biggest surprise, you know, or something that we didn't see coming uh, coming in the season? I knew that the trajectory of women's sports was up, up. But to see the attendance is a different breed. The attendance alone. I know you probably wanted me to talk about the skill set on the court, sure. But the attendance alone, seeing the consumption of women's basketball in person, not just having the networks go up, whoo, let me tell you, like, that's something that it gives me chills just thinking about because you have to think, like, just five years ago, like there was an exponential difference. And so knowing that they can pack out arenas is dope. Um, what surprised me on the court? Honestly, the parody. The parody really continues to surprise me because I come from a time where there was such dominance with a few teams. Now, I wouldn't want to be an AP voter. I'm just an ACC voter. I wouldn't want to be an AP voter because it's just impossible. You never know how to gauge the talent because you never know who's going to show up and show out. And teams do that. And so, uh, yeah, the parody and the audience attendance is, is what shocked me this season. Yeah, I think Ohio State's game on the weekend had like 18,000 
people go to it or if I recall correctly. Um, but yeah, also parody is something that we've talked about um, a lot in the podcast. I think it's so exciting seeing also just like the rankings change so much every week too. Um, I know some of them are starting to kind of stabilize a bit with some of the higher teams, but no, it's good. Oh, cool. time you wait this week. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, it was like four upsets within the ACC alone. And I know in other conferences, they face that as well. And so I don't know where the rankings are going to be this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's I, I been think it makes what South Carolina is doing that much more impressive. Not to get us too off topic, but yes. to, yeah. to go undefeated now is so much more impressive than 10 years ago. Don Staley is such a great coach. And what she's done for her, the culture of her team can't be understated they i have never seen a team face so much ridicule all the time and be able to repel it as well as they do they are such a tight-knit group that's like a well-oiled machine but we have to realize that they're not machines they're humans and that is somebody directing them properly and don staley found the the missing pieces that she had filled them made people believers came undefeated or continues to be undefeated in in a space that talent is everywhere, but she has an answer to everybody else's talent. And I remember arguing with somebody, I was in person at a different game, arguing with somebody and they were saying how they don't think South Carolina is as good as everybody is saying. And I was like, well, what makes them not as good? And they have to constantly prove themselves that much better to deserve that. And she's like, I don't think that they're that much of a number one. Who would you put in their place? Yeah. And that's what confuses me about women's basketball consumption because they don't like seeing South Carolina at the top in the position that they are. But Don Staley really shields, not even shields, because I think that she lets them be exposed to it, but she knows how to reprogram their thinking, their discipline, their focus to the bigger picture. And that's why that team is so able to succeed and push forward outside of just their on-the-court talent. They know how to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's something that if you don't have the right coach to nurture it, you won't have that. Yeah, no, they've been awesome to watch this season. Um, Yeah, we talked about it too, just like how all the discourse was about how they lost like five starters last year to the W and all that, but then they've come back, it feels like, 10 times stronger, and it's been super cool to see. That's why it's like trust the system, right? She tells her players like, hey, you won't be the superstar until you're ready to be the superstar, and so a lot of players can't handle that. That's why you see transfers out, but if you just trust her system, she knows how to make a pro. And another coach, Tara Vanderveer, getting 1,203 wins, that Tara's not for everybody and she's very firm in the way she coaches and and you you get what you get with Tara but she knows how to nurture a player and create a pro and you saw it with her ceremony when they honored her for being the winningest coach all those players came back and had that much to say and it was just a Stanford sisterhood not only does she push excellence on the court but she pushes it off the court and that's why you see so many players go on to do great things from Stanford or join her coaching staff, which is a great thing in itself. And so I, I was really like emotional watching that ceremony because with Tara Vanderveer's contribution and to be able to win that game and have Kiki Ariafin 
show up the way she did. And she's been continuing to show up and you see the growth of her, like right in front of your eyes. Um, I love the, the next man up when I'm ready, I'm ready to be the rock of this team mentality that she has. Yeah, no, it was incredible to see. Um, okay. Last part of the show. We're going to get to know Ari Chambers. Um, Cal, I think has the first question. Yeah, Ari. So I'm just interested, you know, and I, I know a little bit of your story. I'm sure our, some of our listeners do and don't. But when you first uh, got involved in journalism, like what drew you and how did you first get involved so much in women's sports journalism? And as Karina says, to become like an ambassador of women's sports. Yeah. So it's in my blood. My dad's a mass comm professor. My mom was an English major and I'm from Raleigh. So I got to see Coach K. Yao, Sylvia Hatchell, you know, Don Staley down the street actually playing. But I grew up around women's basketball. And if you hear on broadcast, Rebecca Lobo often talks about her daughter not knowing that men played basketball. That was kind of the same with me. It's just I was exposed to women's basketball first. And so it was inherently like what I was drawn to. And my best friends played basketball. So I was traveling with them growing up. And um, I was always a journalist. So I always would capture uh, on on my little digital camera. Back then I had a pink Sony digital camera. and I, I was an editor for the school newspaper and the yearbook. So like, it just, it just made sense going to college. I was a cheerleader. And so I did professional cheerleading as well. And so I saw, saw the media discrepancy between the Knicks and the Liberty. And I was like, this is the same at like, this is elite athletes coming into the same Mecca of basketball and nobody's talking about them. Why not? So it's just a culmination of the application of skills I've acquired over the years. And I got, I got, a break like Howard McDowell gave me my first writing break and he um actually told me to get in front of the camera LaChina Robinson um was my mentor through it all allowing me to you know shadow her and just be on the field and I learned a lot from her and then my men not my mentors my peers like we have Monica McNutt Angel Gray and I remember Angel used to let me stay with her when it was ACC media days back before I could afford it. And, and Monica McNutt wanted me on her podcast before I had any exposure. And then you add, you know, Autumn Johnson, who was just grinding it out with me. This is a couple of years in, so this was 2016. And I just remember her starting out and really wanting to do this. And then um, we had Andrea Carter, like there's so many that, that have just been on the path with me, Chloe Pavlik and Camille Buxetta, like we created our social pages at the exact same time. Like Chloe was really the blueprint. She sold She Hoots Network to Overtime and made Overtime Women's Basketball, which created demand for social media presence for bigger companies like Slam and Bleacher Report. And so um, the exact same month, me and Camille started Highlighter and W Slam. And so it, if I didn't have all these people around me, it wouldn't have nurtured that. But to answer your question, I always knew I wanted to be a women's sports in particular because frankly, my friends played women's sports. I don't, I, they play, they play the sports they play and I wanted to tell their stories and I'm fortunate enough, privileged enough to have gone into my career with personal relationships with so many people because that's who I grew up with. And so getting an interview was so much easier for me because if I got a note from PR, I would just go to the player, which I, you know, Take that as you will. <laughs> Sorry, Sam Fager. <laughs> they love me now, but um, but like I would just go to the player, and this is before social was really big. So people, I, it was really, really, it wasn't uh, an easy path for me because I was PR's worst nightmare. But 
just being persistent <laughs> and being very clear with my vision. I knew what I wanted and I was able to do that. And now I can be that advocate because I can pass the torch and open the door for other people to come in social, other people to come in editorial, other people to come in like mixed media journalism. And I can work on like marching on Capitol Hill for, you know, women's rights. So like I can, I can do it both now. So that's great. I love that. Um, I'm sure you are not a PR nightmare anymore. I was. Really I was. You can literally ask the entire office. They were not fond of me, but now I love them so much and they love me and we have a really good working relationship and um, I'm thankful. I like that. No, that's how you get, that's how you make change. That's how you get things done. So I really like that. Um, I got a bit of a hard one for you here. Okay. I'm going to give you four to choose from. You have to choose one between basketball, soccer, gymnastics, or cheer. Okay. This would have been harder if you did basketball, volleyball, gymnastics, and cheer. But uh, okay, then basketball. I'm very, I'm very new to soccer. So soccer is like, <laughs> hey, girl, love you. So you like, love you so much. But soccer can be the first to go. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> cheerleading. Yeah. Cheerleading. Uh, I mm, Gymnastics. It's between <laughs> cheerleading and gymnastics. I know that's going to be a shock to a lot of people. I love basketball and basketball culture and the basketball players I know gymnastics and cheerleading like the back of my hand and I can break that down for you and I can really tell you like hey she's on beam and her ankles are shaking she's probably going to miss this connection like I can break gymnastics down I know hey the grip is wrong on this stunt it's going to go down if the flyer doesn't work a miracle and the back spot doesn't come in clutch so between gymnastics and cheerleading I'm going to give the slight edge to cheerleading slight edge because I cheered longer in my life. I cheered from five years old to 28. Um, so I'll give the slight edge to cheer, but gymnastics, I spent many years doing too. And I coached that too. So cheerleading. And if I added in volleyball, how much harder would it be? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a volleyball girl too. I, I play volleyball uh, all throughout high school. So I understand. We love volleyball on this podcast. Oh my gosh, volleyball. Uh, okay. Cheerleading. Very close second. Is gymnastics very close third? Like it's it's like a one A, one B, one C, and then basketball is two. That's fair. I okay. accept that. I accept that. You're list. asking you're that's asking Ari to pick her favorite child out here. Like, like that's, that's why tough. the hardest question has ever been asked to me. So <laughs> I'll see you. let's go. I'm gonna hang up that honor on my wall. Hardest question ever asked. Uh, All right. We'll, we'll see how hard this one is. Might be a little easier, but do do you have a favorite memory from your time covering women's sports, like a favorite event that you've ever covered? Oh, favorite event. Oh my gosh. This is why you need to read the docs before you get on. Okay. Um, (laughs) Favorite event. The final four when Enrique made that shot both times. So like, great answer. I just remember Notre Dame was, People don't realize Notre Dame was not a healthy team. It was like borderline TCU out here. Like, they had so many injuries. Like, I think they had seven active players and maybe some volleyball girls on the team. But they were down 17 at the half. And we all know how it ended up. And I was, like, talking to Rike. And I was like, Rike, like, (laughs) how did y'all know that y'all were going to win? She's like, we never had a doubt. Like, Coach McGraw teaches us to just stay calm in those moments and just play our game. And – that was 
the most dope moment. I remember talking to LaChina, then the, the seconds winding down and then me like, wait a minute, I have to get out my phone. Cause I was, um, I was just media. I wasn't on broadcast or anything. So I was like, I got to get out my phone and I recorded it. And I just remember that happening. Also a moment kind of like that was 2016 when the Sparks won the championship and just knowing everything that Candace had gone through that year, uh, it was poetic justice for her. And I love seeing her continued success despite being overlooked, despite um, people not realizing how much she's done for the game. And, you know, I'm a big Candace Parker girly. So those two moments were great. Oh, and oh my God, outside of basketball, big wave surfing. My first big wave surfing coverage, what? Do you know how big those freaking waves are? Like 60 feet, it's ridiculous. Um, so just knowing that too, I was like, whoa, this is different. Yeah. Oh my God. I could never. Um, but <laughs> I'm so glad you got that in there. Yeah. That was, that was incredible. Okay. Last two. First, what advice do you have from all the experiences that you've lived so far in your journey of covering women's sports? You know, it, it used to be, don't wait for your yes. And I still stand by that. Just go ahead and just start it. If you have an idea, start it. Um, because if you don't start, nobody knows what you're thinking. So nobody's going to extend um, the resources that you need, if you don't communicate your vision, if you don't try to execute it and don't be afraid to fail, like it, it might not work out the way that you wanted initially, but you'll be redirected or something way better. Like I remember applying to a social position at the league in 2018 and they told me I wasn't the right fit. And so I was like, what do you mean? I'm literally made for this. And it just redirected. I was devastated to call to China. I was like, oh my God, my life is over. She's like, take 24 hours and then get it together. And I did, I got it together and I did it my way and I created highlighters. So there, all the failures are redirection, uh, redirection. And like, if you hear that, no, continue to do it. But now my advice to everybody outside of that is to keep good people around you. This industry, no matter how much positivity and, and light you try to bring to it, it will try to suck the life out of you. And so if you don't have a solid group of people reassuring you, especially if you're the type that needs to be reassured or um, if you don't have people to keep your head on straight, it's really easy to get lost and, and drained and burnout is real, especially working in sports. And so keep those people around you, if anything, to refill your cup. I really like those answers. Um, I think we resonate a lot with that. Keep them, keep those good people and do it anyway. People tell you, no, do it anyway. I feel Definitely very inspired. Like, I, I want to run through a brick wall right now. Like, that. Wait, wait till we so get in person. Enough. It's even worse. Because ask my friends. I will <laughs> preach, okay? <laughs> think about me. Not shy of no sermon, okay? Anyway. <laughs> Keep preaching. That. Keep preaching. I love it. All-star this year. All right. Last question. The Olympics are happening this summer. I know you're involved with a lot of like Team USA stuff. Is there anything that you can share with us or something that you're looking forward to for this summer? Yeah, girl. We have a rollout, right? So in November, I did uh, 23 athletes in three days. So we have so many interviews coming out, rolling out via Team USA Olympics and NBC. And so really excited for that. Um, and I want people to be mindful that it's not just the Olympics, it's the Paralympics too. They're bomb athletes. They're so good. Um, so be on the lookout for the Paralympics too. Uh, and we do have interviews with Olympians and Paralympians and they do like the distinction. And so making sure that we are locked in for that. I can't wait to see 
how the rollout is. We have a mixture of long form content, podcasts, social captures, and it's just going to be so much fun. Look out for um, breakdancing. It is in its first year in the Olympics. Look out for surfing. Carissa Moore is retiring after the Olympics and she's goaded. She's actually the first um, gold medal winner for the U.S. for surfing. And so um, that's something to look out for. The USA is super dominant in basketball. So let's see if DT is coming back and if she's getting the most all-time medals. And I got to push my Canada basketball agenda, though. Sorry. As the lone Canadian. Are the Ploofs still playing? (laughs) Are who? The Ploofs. Are they still playing? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Um, Shout out Canada basketball. Uh, One of my good friends, Maya, used to play on that national team. So shout out Maya. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) sorry, I had to to get my little propaganda. As you should. (laughs) You saw the opportunity. You took it. We can't be mad. (laughs) I I just want to say I'm so glad you brought up the Paralympics because a few years ago I was introduced to like adaptive sports like wheelchair basketball is one of by far the most impressive sports I have ever watched. Oh, it is so physical, Calvin, like. Yes. It's so physical, <laughs> people don't realize. It is crazy. Okay. One time for junior NBA, um, they had us attempt to do wheelchair basketball. When I tell you, it was such a disaster for me. I was just like, y'all got it. Y'all got it. Y'all got it. It's actually so intense. Like, it's like, I've, yeah, no, I've watched a couple of games and it's just kind of crazy the intensity that they play with. Um, I, I, yeah, I know. I was like, I could never. Um, but that's why there are athletes and that's why there are us who cover them. That's why we write about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Exactly. Um, and I think that's a great spot to put a bow on this episode. Thank you so much, Ari, for joining us. You guys can find her on social media at Ari Ivory. And Ari, if there's anything else you would like to plug for the people, go ahead. Um, I would just like to leave on a note of, yes, follow me, but all your favorite independent journalists and smaller outlets, please follow um, obviously you follow her hoop stats if you're here, but like all the other ones too, that really do the work and, and are intentional with their coverage. I would encourage you to, you know, follow along and then free agency, be on the lookout, reshare everything that you see and yeah, get it pop. So, so excited for all of that. Thank you everybody for tuning in to coast to coast and we will see you next Tuesday. <laughs>